Hi, I'm Tony Hines and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, we've got some great stories coming up this week, so stay tuned. Listening to the News Roundup. All things impacting global supply chains this week. Microchips, energy, inflation, and other things. So let's get to it. Just as we're going to press with this edition, a news flash has come to say that the Russian energy giant Gazprom says it won't be resuming gas supplies to Europe on Saturday as planned. I wonder if this has anything to do with the other breaking news story that the G7 have decided to place a price cap on Russia's oil and gas. Now, if that's the case, Russia will have to look to India and China and those outside of the G7 to get revenue to support the war in Ukraine. And apparently that's hit the Russian central bank for about $25 billion already. There are three price caps, effectively, for Russian oil under the G7 agreement, one for crude oil and two for refined products, for example, those such as petrol and diesel. It remains to be seen if such a price cap will work. Now, a big news story breaking this week is that US officials have ordered NVIDIA to halt the sales of their top artificial intelligence chips to China. NVIDIA is a chip designer based in the US, and they've been ordered to stop exporting two of their chips to China. It's a move that could cripple Chinese firms and their ability to carry out advanced work, like image recognition, and it could seriously damage NVIDIA's business in the country. NVIDIA shares fell by 6.6% a few hours after the announcement. The company said the ban affects the A100 and the H100 chips, designed to speed up machine learning tasks. Shares of rival AMD Advanced Micro Devices fell 3.7% after the announcement. AMD told Reuters it had received new license requirements that will stop its M1250 artificial intelligence chips from being exported to China, but it believes its MI100 chips will not be affected. AMD doesn't believe the new rules will have a material impact on its business. The Chinese Foreign Ministry has accused the United States of attempting to impose tech blockades on China and it would undermine the stability of global supply chains. Chinese organisations will be unable to cost-effectively carry out advanced computing tasks for image and speech recognition, amongst many other things, because these are the chips that do that. NVIDIA had booked $400 million in sales of those affected chips this quarter to China, but they'll have to rein back on those now. One of the big news stories this week is that Russia has halted gas supplies once again to the European Union. And trying to put pressure on Europe, it's retaliation, of course, for the sanctions placed on the Russian Federation and also for the support given to Ukraine. It's uh, an increasingly intense battle between Moscow and Brussels, and it raises the prospect of recession 
And there's talk in Europe of energy rationing in some regions to try and prevent the impact of this cut in supplies. European governments are concerned that Moscow could extend the outages as a retaliation for the sanctions that the Western governments are imposing on Russia following their invasion of Ukraine. Many are labelling this an economic war as opposed to a weapon war. Gazprom put out a statement saying that the stoppage is due to maintenance work and they're claiming that they can't get parts from Canada. But not many people believe that story. Germany should be able to cope with a three-day outage, but if it increases, many are saying that could have some impact. They're expecting Russia to return back to its 20% flow of gas on Saturday. Whether that will happen or not, don't know. Already we've seen a 400% increase in the price of gas at wholesale prices, and that's putting a lot of pressure on consumers and businesses, and it will force governments to spend billions to ease the burden. Germany has its highest inflation for 50 years. The United Kingdom too has its uh, highest inflation for 40 years, as does the United States. So inflation is the other big story, and we'll come to that in a moment. The pipeline was cut to 40% of its capacity back in June and 20% in July, so they're increasingly lowering the output from the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. A Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, said on Wednesday that Russia remains committed to its gas supply obligations, but was unable to fulfil them due to sanctions, according to the Interfax news agency. Gazprom said the shutdown was due to maintenance and the work would be carried out jointly with specialists from Siemens, Siemens Energy. Compressors and turbines are supposed to be at the heart of this, but Siemens has stated that they're not involved in any maintenance, but they are ready if they're needed. Apparently Russia has stopped supplying Bulgaria, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands and Poland, and it's reduced its flows into other pipelines since the military operation began back in March. Gazprom has also said it will stop deliveries to its French contractor because of a payments dispute. This is probably regarding the uh, payment requirement or condition that they weren't paying in rubles now. There have been great efforts across Europe to make sure that they've got enough gas supply to secure energy needs throughout the winter months. And some Europeans are voluntarily cutting energy consumption in an attempt to limit their use of electrical appliances to help. And there may be rationing that has to come into play. Germany has already filled its storage capacity close to 85%, which is a target it set itself for the 1st of October. But it says it will be difficult to make 95% by the 1st of November unless companies and households cut the consumption of energy. The European Union as a whole has about 80% of its storage capacity ahead of the 80% target it set for October the 1st. And that's when most people in Europe will begin to use more of their heating. Now, it wasn't so long ago that shale oil producers sold natural gas at cost simply to clear it out of the system as they produced oil from the fracking process. But today, the price of gas are at a 14-year high. 
and new export terminals are rising along with production forecasts. With the world demand for that gas increasing, the price is up, and so is the price for facilities to load and unload it. The result is a windfall to many of those oil companies who are now able to sell their natural gas way above cost. The US benchmark natural gas price in late August was above $10 per million British thermal units. And that's a level that hasn't been seen since 2008. It's a key, of course, to Western Europe moving away from the reliance on Russian gas. And so LNG exports have averaged 11.5 billion cubic feet per day, which is up 18% year on year. And there are a number of new export projects under construction. I think there are about four and nearly a dozen others waiting for financial approvals for 2023. So it's boom time for the gas industry. So it was a nuisance a couple of years back, and now it's a bonanza. ConocoPhillips reported that its natural gas has gone up to $10.15 per million cubic feet, which is up 143% from just a year back. Chesapeake Energy spent $4 billion to buy an oil producer back in 2019. It now plans to sell that property and become a pure gas player. It's adding two drilling rigs in the Haynesville gas field, and it recently signed an agreement to deliver fuel to Golden Pass LNG, an exporter. So there are all types of investments taking place, and this is because it's so profitable presently. But how long will it last? Well, obviously these investments are made for the medium to longer term, at least. So they're expecting it to last some time. Now, another story caught my eye this week, and it was about six Russian businessmen who have ties mainly to the energy industry, and they've died suddenly in unclear circumstances in the past few months. And one of those stories was reported by the Russian state news agency TASS, which cited the death of Ravel Maganov, chairman of Russia's second largest oil producer, Lukoil. He died on Thursday after falling from a hospital window in Moscow. And it's the latest in a series of businessmen to meet with sudden unexplained deaths. The Russian media said that the 67-year-old had plunged to his death, but the circumstances surrounding the fall were unclear. There was a belief inside Lukoil that Maganov had committed suicide, but they hadn't seen any evidence or documents to support that. So it looks like energy is a dangerous business. The deaths were all in Russia apart from Sergei Protasenya, a former top manager of Russia's largest liquefied natural gas producer Novatak. He was found with the bodies of his wife and daughter at a villa in Spain. Catalan regional police investigating the case have said they believe he killed them and then took his own life. And the other suspicious deaths are also shrouded in mystery. Oil prices have begun to ease a little, and that's on fears of a recession. Brent crude futures for October settled around $96. That's down about $2.82 a barrel, or 2.8%. And the November contract on futures is down $2.20 to around $95.64 a barrel. 
This is because of fears of a recession, and it's mainly coming out of China, because they fear that the demand for oil is going to be lower as output falls. OPEC's output is hitting 29.6 million barrels per day. The slowdown is likely to ease prices further, and the future market is simply reflecting that. There's still problems in the industrial sector in China with COVID infections. They've had the worst heat wave in decades, and they're struggling to get back to normal production levels. Parts of China's city of Guangzhou has imposed COVID curbs this week, and that's alongside Shenzhen, which is having flare-ups of COVID. So that's still wreaking havoc with the factory output. Inflation in the 19 countries that share the euro as its currency has risen to 9.1% in August. And so that's having an impact on how consumers will see rising prices in the EU in the coming months. And that's slowing demand, which makes it more likely that recession will follow. And it's all down to energy prices. Energy prices are pushing up the cost of distributing goods, storing goods, and of course harvesting crops. And we're into harvest season right now in many European countries. And so that's likely to be impacted not just by labour costs, but by energy costs. The costs of bringing in that harvest are going to get higher. And in some parts, because of the heat waves, I was reading an article the other day about Spanish crops, and they were talking about olive oil crops in particular, are likely to be down because of the damage done by recent heat waves. And that threatens to push up prices in that area too. So inflation is a big problem. But the source of that is the rising energy costs. In the automobile industry, Toyota Motor Corporation is boosting its planned investment in a new United States battery plant. It's increasing that investment from $1.29 billion to $3.8 billion as a response to the rise in consumer demand for electric vehicles. The battery maker Panasonic is a partner in the Liberty North Carolina plant through its Prime Planet Energy and Solutions. It's a joint venture with Toyota, which will provide expertise in battery making, technology and equipment. Panasonic also has a joint battery making venture with Tesla in Nevada, and it recently announced plans to build a $4 billion plant in Kansas that's expected to supply Tesla as well as other automobile companies. North Carolina said that the state would boost reimbursement to Toyota by $315 million if the company investment topped $3 billion, which it has. Toyota is now planning to add two production lines dedicated to the making of batteries for a fully electric vehicles at the Liberty plant, in addition to the four lines initially planned to make smaller batteries for hybrid vehicles, such as the Toyota Prius. Now, there are lots of strikes in the United Kingdom at present. We've got rail strikes and we've got strikes at ports, which could flare up again anytime soon until there's a settlement. And there are a number of other strikes which are 
likely to take place. But breaking right now is news of a a warehouse in Coventry, in central England, where they're likely to strike at an Amazon warehouse over pay. It's the latest labour dispute involving Amazon and other US e-commerce giants. More than 300 workers voted in a consultative ballot and 97% said they were ready to strike, ahead of a possible formal vote on whether to carry out a strike. That's according to the GMB union. They're being offered 35 pence an hour during the worst cost of living crisis in a generation. And that's from a company worth £1 trillion, said Amanda Gearing, who's the senior organiser for the GMB. Amazon has 70,000 workers in the UK, and its starting pay had risen to a minimum of £10.50 to £11.45. That's $12 or $13 an hour. And it's a 29% increase in the minimum hourly wage for Amazon Associates since 2018. Employees are also offered a benefits package, which is worth thousands of pounds annually. But rising costs are forcing the hand of workers to try and recoup some of the loss from inflation. Last month, there were hundreds of Amazon workers at a warehouse in Tilbury in southeast England who walked out over pay. Same reason, 35 pence per hour increase offered, which was less than the £2 that the union, GMB, were asking for. So this is a story that's likely to rumble on until there's a, a bigger settlement, I think. Amazon announced a new service to sellers on its site. It's allowing them to store bulk inventory to ease distribution and tackle supply chain issues. The new service called Amazon Warehousing and Distribution, AWD, is available for sellers using Amazon's program, which allows businesses to outsource order fulfillment to the company. The sellers can use the pay-as-you-go service to store and distribute their inventory with that fulfillment network. This is likely to happen in 2023. The AWD service means that critical supply chain challenges are overcome as sellers can manage their inventory through the AWD system. And they can have, obviously, Amazon deliver the goods through that network. No details on prices have yet been announced for the service, but that's what they propose to do. In the United Kingdom next week, there'll be a new Prime Minister. Everyone expects at this point that it will be Liz Truss, the former Foreign Secretary. But that will be announced on Monday next week. And there are lots of headaches facing the incoming Prime Minister and the new government, with energy prices at the highest level ever, with a failing regulatory system, with inflation at a 40-year high and still rising, it's expected that there'll be a winter of discontent with strikes, strikes and strikes. And so difficult times ahead and a recession to boot. It's creating a very difficult business environment and, of course, for consumers and households, they're facing much higher costs in the forthcoming months. Concern over the prospects for the UK economy have led to a fall in the pound against the US dollar during August of about 
5%. It seems to be recovering slightly against that right now, but it dropped at one point to $1.16, which is the lowest since Brexit in October 2016. Asian countries are now turning to Russia to get hold of discounted oil as global energy prices remain high and the Western nations seek to scale down their reliance on that Russian oil. So the countries in Asia, such as India and China, are making hay while the sun shines. News of a grounded ship, OS-35, in Gibraltar, where it's run aground after a collision. Apparently, salvage teams have been rushed to the site to pump about 250 tonnes of diesel out from the ship. It's heavy fuel oil. The spill could be quite damaging if it escapes in any great quantity. Apparently, it's reached the beaches in La Linea, which is the nearest point on the Spanish mainland, to Gibraltar. The bulk carrier collided late on Monday with a tanker, Adam, which carries liquefied natural gas, LNG. And although the OS-35 is damaged, it continued to leave the Bay of Gibraltar heading for the Strait of Gibraltar, which connects the Mediterranean with the Atlantic. But at that point, the captain indicated he was taking on water, and they decided to run the carrier aground to prevent it from sinking. Port authorities did try to make a repair to the hull, but it broke in two, and by Wednesday some of the fuel started to leak into the sea. The captain's been arrested. The ship is beached on the east side of the rock off Catalan Bay. It's likely to be damaging to animals, and it pollutes the ecosystem. Well, we had a strike at Felixstowe for eight days last week, and this week the dock workers at Liverpool are going to strike after being offered a pay cut dressed up as a rise, a union spokesman said. Unite, the union involved, said that more than 560 port operatives and engineers will take industrial action from the 19th of September to the 3rd of October. It said Peel Ports, which runs the operator, Mersey Docks and Harbour Company, needed to make a reasonable settlement. Peel Ports said its pay offer was well above the national average. United said the company had offered 7% despite making £30 million in profit in 2021. This is likely to disrupt traffic in the port and cause backlogs. So it will be substantial disruption for many supply chains as a consequence of this strike. Well, that's it for this week on the News Roundup. Catch up on the midweek edition when I'm talking about Europe's gas problem. And catch up on any episodes that you've missed of the Chain Reaction podcast and stay informed. I'll see you next time. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now. been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented and produced by Tony Hines.
Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains, and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon, all things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.